We are on uh, Luke chapter 20. Um, the subject this morning is about resurrection, marriage, and the living God. It's a very small section we have, which um, may be good because uh, we've got a lot of work ahead of us today. <laughs> so maybe we'll be a, a shorter session. But let's read It's a short session, so we'll read it together. Uh, it can also be read in Matthew 22, but we're looking at the, the Luke account, uh, reading from verse 27. So that's Luke 20, verse 27 through to verse 39. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife with no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is another, um, I'm going to say, typical uh, time in the Lord's. Um, time on earth where he was challenged as he was challenged time and time again by various people who sought to trap him because his teaching was just so different from their perception of Moses' law. We're dealing of course but primarily with the Jewish nation and the Jewish people and how far away they had come in their understanding of what God's purposes were through Moses' law, the law that God had given Moses on Mount Sinai, and that had been distorted so much, their vision and their um, ideals had been lost. And most importantly was that they never saw Christ in Moses' law. They never saw... Christ in the purposes of God. 
And although they were looking for a Messiah, he had got so distorted in their minds and they had broken up into so many different factions that even the established uh, leadership amongst the Jews were uh, strict religious people who were more intent in keeping their understanding of the law and the way they lived rather than seeking to know and understand and appreciate the mind of God. Unfortunately, nothing's changed in Christendom today because that's exactly the problem that we have when we talk amongst ourselves, when we talk uh, to other Christians. Sometimes we get so focused on what we believe is right and what we think it means and what is best for our circumstances rather than probing deeply to understand what is it that God wants and how can we find that. It's one of the, the main things that, that um, certainly when the churches of God were established about 120 odd years ago was that was uppermost in the minds of the men and women who made the decision to move away from open brethren. That was the main focus that they had, was what is God's purposes? What is God's mind? Because it's more important to be doing his will than doing what is most comfortable for us. And how do you know that? And of course, the only way of doing that is to search the scriptures. Now we come across the, the Sadducees, <laughs> and like the, the little children's hymn, they are sad, you see, because they don't re recognize the, the resurrection. They are sad, I mean, it's, it, it's a very appropriate name because how could you be anything else but sad if you didn't believe in the resurrection? What have you got? I mean, what are, where's the hope? Where's the future? What is the purpose of life if there is no resurrection? And that's what these people believed in. And here they are setting up a, a trap <laughs> to try and catch Christ. They are people, I imagine, very learned people who would have studied the words of the law of Moses. They were able to come and point to Deuteronomy 25 and they concocted this little story up and said, imagine this scenario that there's a woman and she marries seven men and they all die. When they get to heaven, you know which one's her husband? An absolutely ridiculous question that you wonder how the Lord kept his cool <laughs> and didn't just get angry with them or just walk away and shake his head and think what a bunch of nutters these people they were just purely out to trap him and they're trying to use the word of God to trap the word of God <laughs> that's how ridiculous it is and of course they couldn't see that and uh, they, they concocted this scenario of 
this woman waking up in heaven and thinking, oh dear, I've got seven husbands. What do I do? <laughs> um, the Lord, I think, you know, when he responds to such people, I'd love to have been there because it would have been perfect calm and he would still have shown love to these people because I think that sometimes can be very important in the way that we deal with what we might think as stupid questions or questions that maybe we think are ridiculous or easy to answer or we've answered them so many times before and we put ourselves up on a pedestal and sometimes we lose sight that although these people were sad they are entitled to a response they are entitled to an answer and even although in our experience that we might think it's very obvious and from our vast experience and knowledge of God, then we people should know the answer to that. We shouldn't have that attitude. Is that people are in all different stages of spirituality and of knowledge. And here I think is a, the perfect response is that the Lord just deals with it matter-of-factly and just explains there's a big difference between living life on this earth and the future life that we will have in heaven. It's a comfort that we all have in our Christian lives and it's certainly something that's been precious to me is to, and you often wonder how people can cope with anything other than the hope of eternity. How, how do you cope with the difficulties and the trials, the illnesses, the pains, the suffering of this life if you don't have a hope of a better future? The other thing that's very important here that the Lord points out too is the importance of the fact that we live forever. That that applies to everybody albeit the body dies but we spirit in spirit we live on and therefore there's a great importance on understanding resurrection there's a great importance of appreciating where you're going and these Sadducees had some perception that because they were Jews that they were going to heaven but they were going to somehow or other end up in heaven in exactly the same state they were in at the moment and when it comes to marriage, of course, the Lord had to point out to them that this will not be the case. What you have here was instituted by God. Marriage is a good thing. Marriage is an important thing. But marriage is something that God gave a man and woman with a, again, with a focus on the future. And the relationship side of things and the, the joy of marriage and the coming together and the growing of a family, etc., is something is God-given, it's precious, and we should enjoy it. But, and the but being, that when we look into the future, when we rise in resurrection, 
when the, the Lord comes again and we are taken, we will be transformed. We will, there will be a marriage in heaven. And that marriage is where the bride is the body of Christ, men and women. So there will be no marriage like we have here where a man and a woman go off and become one and share their lives together. We are all going to be one in the body of Christ, resurrected and married to the Lord Jesus. That's the marriage of heaven. Now, I think there's a, probably a lot of people that maybe think, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> because I've had enjoyed my marriage and whilst I've lost my partner, I'm going to see them again. And that's good. I've got a creaky door there. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that is true. But it's going to be in a different sphere and a different uh, environment, a spiritual environment. And it's one which is way beyond our understanding. We get little snippets of understanding, but it's going to be joyful. It's going to be something that is holy. It's going to be something that's precious. And it's going to be way, 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 way above our understanding of life here. So don't despair <laughs> that when you think about loss, we lost our loved one. You will see them again, but you won't continue in marriage with them in heaven because we will all be one married to him. And that is something that I would encourage people just to meditate on because it's, it's one of these subjects that you'll never come to a conclusion and, and be able to work out exactly what it's going to be like. But it's a hope, and it's something which is promised by God. And the fact that he has told us that he has prepared it, it indicates that it's going to be wonderful. And therefore, don't fret and don't fear that uh, things that we might lose in this world, the gain will be far, far greater. In fact, I don't think we will ever, we will not uh, suffer loss in that way. Jesus replied to them and he talked about those who were worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead. And he was pointing them to those that were worthy and the only people who were going to be worthy were those in Christ. And therefore, it was extremely important that they understood that this was not an automatic ticket to heaven because you were a Jew, or an automatic ticket because you were, in your own eyes, righteous in some way. But these were, these people, they would be chosen by him and they would be a people who would be worthy in Christ Jesus. They were going to be God's children, and therefore, as they are God's children of the resurrection, 
then there would be no problem about worrying how things are going to fit in in heaven. I often used to think, you know, that how would we recognise people? Um, because you get young children that die and go to heaven, and the parents grow old and they die and go to heaven, and how would we recognise each other? Again, you can smile at these things, I think, because we need to put our trust in a great God who it's, a, it's almost an insult to think that he'd never thought of these things. And we are dealing with the soul, not the body. The bodies will change. I often think about the story of you know, the, um, Elijah and Moses meeting the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, how did they know? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? <laughs> and it's, it's things like that, you know, that you think, well, we, we, these are practical human thoughts. Uh, and, and this was another one. You know, we married seven times. What am I going to do with seven husbands in heaven? You know? <laughs> it's practical earthly thoughts that I guess the Lord has a smile at as well. You know, <clears throat> thinks these are not things to consider. Things are going to be so very different. The um, I was just thinking too that um, when the the consideration about the resurrection. Um, there was a lot of discussion um, around the time of Christ and after it, particularly uh, Paul's time, about was there actually a resurrection? And if you remember, if you read in Acts 26 about uh, when Paul was before King Agrippa, it was one of his uh, uh, major um, arguments um, when he says, why should anyone think it incredible that God should raise the dead? Why should anybody think it's incredible that God would raise the dead because he showed it in his son? One of the most important parts of scripture, of course, is after the resurrection was the importance that God, um, through the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he, he revealed himself to people to prove the resurrection, to prove it in an earthly way. So, you know, touch me and see, you know, look at me, I'm here. You recognize me. And so he did this to so many people that there surely is no doubt. But of course, Satan is ever active and he's putting doubt in the mind all the time. And the, the argument about the resurrection is that uh, the Lord used Old Testament scripture, the story of the, the burning bush. And when he recounted that, that uh, when Moses was talking with God at the burning bush and he wondered at the marvel of this bush on fire that wasn't going out and the Lord spoke to him and he says, I am, we were listening about the I am this morning, um, the, the past, present and future uh, aspect of God. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And you think, yeah, but these people are dead. So it was, the Lord was just pointing out quite clearly to them, well, yeah, 
he, he didn't say, I used to be the God <laughs> when they were alive. He said, I am the God. I am their God. And of course, when Moses and Elijah appeared to the Lord in the Mount of Transfiguration, they appeared before their God. And God was the God of the living. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were not dead in the eyes of God. They were alive. In earthly terms, they were dead. Their bodies were dust. But they were alive and um, in spirit. So I think, you know, the, the Sadducees were very clearly put in their place here um, very quickly that they had no re response to him. And again, it's a, it's a lovely picture of, of Christ. When, and I just maybe look around the edges of this story and try and picture it. As I said at the beginning, the importance of how the Lord dealt with those who I'm sure the Lord thought everybody was of simple mind <laughs> compared to him. But even uh, by human standards, the Sadducees were a sad bunch of people that didn't understand even the basics. But he still dealt with them in a, a, a loving way, giving them every opportunity to appreciate and understand. And I think the way he dealt with that and the way at the end of it all, you can just picture them being silenced how do you respond to teaching like that you either accept it or you get angry and go away and try and find another attack <laughs> um, in order to try and win your case which they could never do so at the end of it all it says some of the teachers of the law responded some and that's always the case, isn't it? That when you talk about truth from the Bible, some will accept it. Some will simply say, that's, if that's what the Bible says, I accept it. But there's others that will say, yeah, I need to think about that, or I'll give that um, more debate, uh, or I'll, I'll see if I can come back to you at it with a different angle. And these are people that are just intent, not in accepting the think they're maybe more educated or highly educated and therefore it's a battle as to who wins the arguments rather than submitting to the will of God. So this, this particular story about the future, again, it's an encouragement to us about um, thinking about what things will be like in heaven and this it's almost like it is a funny story that's maybe put in there when you try and follow through with uh, <laughs> this woman waking up in heaven and having seven husbands um, can put a smile on your face a bit you know and think <laughs> uh, you know do you really think that's going to happen you know that you know this <laughs> would god not have um thought about this and there's no way that life in heaven is going to be anything like it, uh, things on earth. When um, we are thinking about earthly things, 
earth is a place that's full of sin. Um, we are a people that are full of sin. Um, this world is going to rot. <laughs> we can read that in our papers, what mankind is doing. And the whole system is going to be taken and dealt with by the Lord when he comes back. If we were left to our own devices, then like a lot of things that you read in the newspaper, we would be extremely worried that if we were to live another 100, 200 years, you would start scratching your head wondering, you know, will we be here? Could this world actually exist in its current route that it's taking of contamination and pollution? Um, and overpopulation and strife and all the rest of it. What future has this world got? Well, the answer is it hasn't got any. And it's not something that we as Christians should worry about because uh, our future is secure. This world will be dealt with. There will be a new world. <coughs> There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And we are part of it. And so this story, I think, is helpful from the point of view, although it's a simple story, it's one that you smile at. Out of it, the Lord brings hope. Hope is be focused. It's not going to be like that. And it's not going to be like a hundred and other things that you could possibly think about uh, that we might worry about on this earth, like um, recognizing people, just one that I've mentioned, but many other things that we worry about is that we are dealing with a God of love as we thought this morning and enjoyed before him and given God thanks for it, for all that he has done through Christ Jesus which has enabled us to have the hope and the peace and the joy of being in Christ and to appreciate that that you know this is what it could have been like if we hadn't accepted Christ, if Christ had not come. Sometimes spend a little bit of time on that just to realise where we've come from and where, what could have happened. And it helps us appreciate more in giving thanks to God for all that he did for us through Christ Jesus. So I'll leave that, these few thoughts with you. Um, take it away and um, think about it. I think, um, you know, when it talks about marriage, whether it might be helpful for us to think about the marriage of the Lamb. You know, you can develop it in your own thoughts and your own study as what will marriage be like in heaven? <laughs> um, what will our marriage to the, the Lamb be like? Uh, you'll never get a conclusive answer on it. Um, but... I think there are so many things in scripture that you're never, our minds are just too small to appreciate uh, the, the mighty things of God, but he wants us to consider them and even take it a little way and just to learn to trust. It's one of the biggest things in our salvation is trusting. And you have to realize that he's away up there his knowledge is so far. There's no point sometimes in us trying to get there. 
No, you're not going to do that in this life. But the Lord wants you to elevate yourself and to take the Holy Spirit that's been given to you and use his understanding as he will feed through to you that will give us a, a little bit more insight and a little bit more understanding that keeps us rising, if you, if you like, spiritually speaking, of moving in the direction of God until he come when we will be like him and then we will know and we will be forever with him in heaven shall we pray